2: The Around the NFL podcast. Hit 23 miles per hour on Next Gen Stats. Welcome to another edition of Around the NFL. I am Dan Hansis, joined by heroes Greg Rosenthal and Mark Sessler. It is the post-Christmas Day recap. We're going to hit a bunch of games for you. We're going to hit a TNF preview for, yes, week 17. My goodness, and I got to say, guys, like, First of all, happy, uh, happy day, happy day after um, Christmas and Boxing Day, Boxing Day to the Canadians. Shout out to the Canadians, whatever that is. I hope you enjoy it. Um, But after TNF and then the um, Xmas Eve XL and then Jesus of Nazareth presents the holiday classic triple header. I'm now uh, like the opposite of what I was talking about. Um, on Christmas Eve where, you know, you have the old hidden gift routine. I'm terrified looking under the tree for a gift that has not been open. And all of a sudden it's the, you know, Nashville Ninjas led by Brock Osweiler against the Vancouver Grizzlies led by John Beck. And yeah, we know the Grizzlies were already taken, but the NFL didn't care. They just bought that website and they just added a couple more teams and it's going to do the biggest number of any show uh, today. Also, this is now my fear, uh, the fear of the gift. Uh, not being seen
1: yet. Mm. I think, Dan, you, uh, you said it well because we were discussing this on text with a various, uh, with variable angst um, <laughs> between the three of us. Greg seems to completely enjoy this scenario. Dan and Mark, maybe a little bit less. Greg's, um, Greg's love finally the gotten thing.
2: it. He's, got, he's finally gotten what he wanted all those years ago, football every it. day.
3: He's got to You made the point because Greg,
1: Greg quickly, Greg quickly turned around and said, "But next week, you know, next year, Christmas is on Wednesday. Yes, Um, we're going to avoid all of this for one year, Um, which was, (laughs) you know, in theory, uh, you know, comforting. But Dan, I thought you made the right point. Was like, it doesn't matter when Christmas is. Like the NFL will do this (laughs) every Christmas Day and Christmas Eve for the rest of time. So whether you enjoy it or not, it will be in your life eternally."
2: I try to be a good sport about it. It's just very, it was a busy day yesterday with all the all the things with the big holiday. I, I, I'm starting to think, Greg, your your family goes to Japan every Christmas and I sometimes be like, Oh, I feel bad for Greg, but now I'm thinking like this is now syncing up perfectly uh for you, the way the, the new world is is operating. Um but I you know I tried to No it sucks. I hate it. <laughs> I know, I know it does. <laughs> um I I tried to keep up and, and be professional while also being a family man. And then I jumped on Twitter this morning I got up early to get ready for these games we're about to talk about. And people are just going nuts on Twitter. Apparently all throughout the night, everyone listen the product. It's successful.
3: Well, I got to say it when you looked at the slate, you were like, okay, there's some good teams here, but the games, you know, they other than the, the marquee one, which we'll start with one of the best, maybe the best matchup of the year. The others were like, eh, okay. Three out of four were like huge upsets with, insane comebacks they were like surprising results so at the very least uh nfl did their thing in terms of like wow because the league looks a little different i feel like than it did even when we taped saturday night i agree with
2: you on that and we got to start with the most impactful game of the regular season that changed uh standings it changed uh, how the top and the bottom of the playoff picture looks with two weeks to play it likely changed how the mvp will be decided we'll go in reverse chronicle order starting with christmas night In Santa Clara Ravens stretch three receivers to the right Lamar Jackson fakes the toss to the right throws across the middle
0: touchdown Zay flowers and the Ravens strike on back-to-back drives and it is
2: stunned disbelief here at Levi's Stadium in Santa Clara Wow Lamar Jackson throws two touchdown passes in the span of 18 seconds wrapped around one of Brock Purdy's four interceptions Mm. And they coast. Really, this is a, a game that started out as a heavyweight fight. I said that to my father-in-law as we're watching it, as the game goes to halftime. By like midway through the third quarter, it was just kind of running out the clock. Uh, maybe got a little bit interesting at the very end. But you always knew that this was a Ravens night, a dominating performance, 33-19, to 19, over the mighty, thought to be unstoppable San Francisco 49ers. Like I said at the big bell bottom. Uh, and that is a uh, changes, uh, Greg, a lot about what you think. It, it removes the invincibility cloak around the Niners. Um, like I said, Brock Purdy kind of threw himself out of the MVP conversation, potentially. We'll see. Uh, and Lamar Jackson and the Ravens once again affirm that they are an absolute wrecking crew that should not be uh, looked over by anyone, and they made sure everyone knew it on one of the biggest stages, if not the biggest stage of the entire regular season.
3: I've loved this Ravens team all season because there's no weak spot. Like they they have their weeks where they're not impressive overall. They barely squeak past the Chargers even a week ago. Like they weren't all the way impressive, but they have bomb drop games that won against the Lions, that won against the Seahawks. They've beaten seven different winning teams by at least fourteen points this year, which would be an NFL record. No team has ever done that more than five times, wow. which which is crazy, and. They're just so physical, and I think the contrast with the quarterbacks, it's the easiest place to start, but I do think it's the right place to start here, where there was one in Lamar who started the game off kind of like the last couple weeks. The offense looks discombobulated, but by the middle of the second quarter, he settles down, and he's just so... Calm and relaxed when there is pressure around, and when he's running, no one no one else runs in slow motion like him. It almost seems like he's not accelerating; he's just trying to avoid the hit, and it's all happening in a very calm manner. I've really felt that all season. Whereas Purdy, in a tougher matchup against a better defense, was sped up all night, and I just think he was a tick late because of what he was seeing, and uh, that tick late was enough to cause these mistakes. He was hesitating and it was kind of what you don't want to be as a quarterback Mark which is like a the combination of too slow and hesitant and then too rushed at times and it was enough to make those big plays and really highlight what a vicious Ravens defense this is when they're playing their best. Yeah, this this
1: Baltimore team um I kind of loved reading some of the reporting around this game um post game where the, they, get, they got off the plane, and, you know, they're, they're 3-0 and on the West Coast. They, they won a game in London. Um, there isn't really a situation they're not prepared for, and I think that has a lot to do with John Harbaugh. Um, but they, they got off the plane, and they were annoyed by the point spread. They, were, they came into the game feeling that, like, nationally um, – and, Greg, you were one of the first people way back in September to point to the Ravens as a team that was complete, that had Super Bowl um, vibes to them – Um, you know, they were weird early on and I thought they were an awkward team. Even when we were in London, we thought that their performance was a little awkward, but I thought last night was sort of the apex, um, of who they are and what they wanted to be. And they were very annoyed by the national perception that they weren't the equal of the Niners. And, um, it was, yes, it was their offense, but I thought their defense made Brock Purdy look, uh, confused at times. Now Brock Purdy only had two actual turnover worthy plays, according to PFF. I mean, there are four picks, and and yes, you can say it yanks them out of the MVP conversation. I I don't buy that entirely because I think it's it's the, your overall body of work. Um, but I can see how the voters w- would see that. The Ravens right now are are as complete a team as you'll find in the league, and uh, they've they've absolutely destroyed the Lions, the Jaguars. Um, they blew up the Seattle Seahawks, and they did what they just did to the Niners. So it's like. There's really no way to talk about anything about them other than to say that they are the favorite in the AFC, and I don't buy Lamar Jackson as um, as MVP, but that's just me personally. Uh, I I I don't even think he's as good as he was when he was the MVP. But all that is fine. Like um, the Ravens right now are in a in a in an up and down league. They're the premier AFC squad.
2: Yeah, the even yeah. I think the Ravens. Listen, we the league changes so fast because, like we said, the Niners seem to be. Um, a potential historic juggernaut, and they still could be. This could be a bad, ugly bump in the road. Uh, we, we've we learned too much uh, covering this game uh, and doing the show to count out teams based on a result uh, in Week 16, but it was eye-opening on both sides, and the Ravens, yeah, they're bad dudes. They, I mean, these guys, they are uh, – what they went out there and showed is that with all the pretty weapons the Niners have, uh, there are certain – teams that are good matchups against that type of kyle shanahan attack baltimore is one of them baltimore would love to see the niners again in the super bowl if it ever got to that here's patrick queen talking about that difference we play a brand of football that people don't want to play uh, everybody do not be out here q playing basketball on grass and stuff and we ain't with all that so you could do all that stuff you're just gonna get in the mouth every play honestly um you know we could care less about all the pretty stuff you do gimmick stuff you just got a you still got to lot of play football you still got to get touched so um, that's our mindset that's how we want to come out and just you know hit people in the mouth Um, and Greg, you know, the game opens with a Ravens going three and out, um, on the road, the crowd is hot, everyone's pumped. And then San Francisco immediately goes right down the field with a big Kittle reception is the key to that drive. And then Purdy, you know, he targets Debo Samuel and the game games can swing on single plays. And, you know, if he hits Debo Samuel with that throw and he does a better job looking off the safety and he fits that in there. Uh, all of a sudden the Niners jump ahead early and Purdy's feeling himself. But once that ball gets picked off, it is that change in the air. And while Purdy, maybe he wasn't four interceptions bad. If you study the game tape, there were bad throws and he got away with a couple as well. Um, Baltimore just made him look like everything that the Purdy doubters have been saying, uh, that he is someone that is not special despite the stats being special. And I thought that interception uh, kind of set the table for the rest of the night.
3: Yeah, that was one kind of what I'm talking about, where he was late. And he's not going to stop firing it. But even earlier that drive, I thought, mm, like he had his best two throws the night to Kittle, but he dirts one to McCaffrey. Maybe that was the the next drive on on third down where McCaffrey's open and he just yes. kind of throws it in the dirt, which is a very strange play. He took a bad sack On I think it was fourth down on that very drive, and they got bailed out by a holding call on the other side. But he held on to the ball too long, and I I think about the other interception where he throws across his body, which is also just great defense. Like Purdy, yeah, he had a bad game, but you have to give credit to like Kyle Hamilton coming on a very creative blitz. That's what makes Purdy leave the pocket a little early, and then Purdy makes the bad decision to throw it back across his body, and Humphrey makes a. Terrific, And maybe he didn't get a turnover where they play for this one. Humphrey makes a terrific deflection and Hamilton, who had been blitzing, comes back and makes the interception. So I think it was a combination, but I'm glad we had Queen because the way you can stop San Francisco and no one's built for it in the NFC, in my mind is with great linebacker play, it's, it's, and it's great physicality. The 49ers are supposed to be the toughest team in the league. They're supposed to have the best linebackers, but if you have two guys in Rokon Smith and Patrick Queen that can stay on the field and actually keep up for the most part with their running game and passing game without getting exposed because that's what Sheehan likes to go after, then you can maybe get them off their game. They're just used to winning that matchup. They did not in this one, but I don't know if there's a team in the NFC uh, that has that. Let's listen to uh, Purdy after this game, uh, talking about his his performance,
0: you know, for me, it's like, you know, I got to ask myself, all right, like, who? Who are you? You know, what do you stand for? Um, You know, who are you when things are good? Who are you when things don't go your way? Um, It's easy to, you know, be riding high and thinking you're the man um, when things are going well, winning games and all that kind of stuff. And you don't really see, you know, a whole lot of adversity um, in some games and whatnot. And,
2: um, you know, this is the reality of the NFL. Right. Uh, Mark, the Steinbrenner doctrine is uh, firmly in place for this 49ers team. It's win the Super Bowl or bust. I'm not going to I'm not going down the road of, is Brock Purdy going to get benched? But Sam Darnold did come in at the end of this game after Purdy got beat up. Sam made some throws. I saw Daniel Jeremiah, part of the discourse on Twitter uh, last night, saying, you know, there's just arm strength here that Darnold possesses, uh, that he can make throws that Purdy cannot make and football is an unpredictable sport um you know once upon a time earl murrow won the mvp for the baltimore colts and got benched for a over the hill injured johnny Unitas in the super bowl i think purdy has to respond uh with with these in these last two games forget about the mvp race but just to kind of quell fears that this is all unraveling with the biggest games of his life coming up
1: he will respond i i mean like i i think that i something that i find so Um, mentally ponderous with these island games is what happens um, based off of one performance like can we mix in this food coloring with the rest of what we've seen from Brock Purdy which is like he's been super consistent he's mentally tough like his teammates adore him like the idea that you'd go replace him I know you're not saying this but the idea that you replace him with Sam Darnold is utterly and beyond absurd to me like I'm glad this game happened to Brock Purdy. I really am. I'm glad because I think, number one, the way he responded right there verbally is how he's going to respond physically. And, like, the idea that this is suddenly who this quarterback is. He played a great defense. Um, There was incredible athletic plays on two of his interceptions Brock Purdy, in general, has been careful with the football. Outside of a couple games, he's been mentally consistent. He uses his weapons well. Like I absolutely expect him to bounce back. Um, he, I, I, cannot believe that it's taking him out of the MVP conversation entirely. It's all, it's all. It's it is. It just it's He's just, fourth,
3: what it, I think, in the odds. Actually, so he's. I know, he's but it's just it's everything sort of that
1: happened like within the last twenty-four hours is all we respond to. It's like Brock Purdy over the course of this entire season and last season when he played has been the same guy in 95% of the time. And so I just, I, I, he will bounce back and I cannot wait to see that happen.
2: You know what it is though? It is just one game. Um, but, and we talk about it all the time. This it's, it's not just about production or, or pop the hood stats. It's about the stories and about perception with MVP. And and we talked about it on Thursday, Greg, you were talking about Lamar and this is Lamar's chance to get back in the MVP race. And I thought Lamar was very good in this game, just like he's been very good to great all season for a, a great AFC team in, in the Ravens. But I think you can lose. I didn't factor that in. I didn't think on that stage for Brock to totally, totally face plant. I do think that has a chance to really stick in the, in the minds of voters. Um, and I know the the Niners have much more important things, uh, speaking of which, uh, Greg, the 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 discord to my least favorite factions, although I like a lot of the people involved in these conversations in social media is Lamar me and everyone mm-hmm. just trying to say, listen to me. This is guys, the dude. And then the people that are saying Brock Purdy can't actually play
3: in these games, <laughs> everything,
2: everything colliding in that game. So right now, from where we stand the day after Christmas, after this great meltdown, Lamar Jackson is now the MVP. Vegas says and Brock Purdy is has been exposed. Um, it, I do agree with you, Mark. Everybody's got to kind of take a deep breath, but I wouldn't throw it out entirely um, because that is a, a huge stage where I think Purdy could have put a stamp on MVP, and instead sure. he kind of led to a ton of questions about himself and that award.
3: Right. The Ravens have a very tough matchup this week against Miami, very tough defense, so like that could be a tough matchup for Lamar. The, the Niners have two... Um, easy matchups, exceedingly easy. So I don't think it's going to prove, you know, the Rams defense I wouldn't say is exceedingly easy, but just numbers wise they're below average uh, in general. So the, the, the 49ers have commanders Rams. And look, if you look at the top five, I think it's, it's totally fine. People are so strident about MVP and I love Lamar. I think he's, I I think if you watch him week to week and you include the rushing yards and everything that he does, He's a totally legit MVP candidate. I don't have a strong feeling. I look at it and and it's the six that are the the highest favorites right now in Vegas are Lamar. I think number two is CMC, who would have been my pick going into last night, and I still might be on He's that. He's mine too. Um, Tua is third. Purdy is fourth. Josh Allen's fifth. Dak is sixth, and Tyreek is seventh. And I I don't think there's like some great separation. Between any of those seven, if you really wanted to make different sort of cases, I my gut feel is that Josh Allen's actually been the best quarterback in the NFL this year. I felt that for most of the season, even before these last three weeks. Um, but because it's such a weird year and there's no big separation, like I'm kind of good with anyone and Lamar and CMC both make sense to me too, if like one of them ends up winning it. Um, I, I just think like even last night, you've got to watch look at those stats and Lamar's stats aren't crazy good. Uh, But you just start with the middle section of that game when, like, the Ravens had the first and 20 late at halftime, and he hits those two difficult passes, and then he has the great scramble to get three before halftime, and then suddenly eight plays into the second half, three of which were really good improvs by him. The other was the touchdown to Flowers. They're up by... 18 points. And you've seen that a lot in Ravens games where like at the key moments, Lamar just like puts people away with really special stuff. So like he's a legit choice too. I'm not going to get like worked up if any, any one of those other guys get it though.
1: I would say one thing about the Ravens, like um, I, both of these teams have like veteran coaching staffs. So the Niners have like had their defensive coordinator plucked like 42 years in a row. And so you're dealing with that, but like Todd Munkin who I really had questions and suspicions about that working out. It's working out. And Mike McDonald on defense, Like I don't even know if he's their defensive coordinator if you don't have Jim Harbaugh linked to John Harbaugh who knew McDonald from Michigan and all this stuff. I think he's going to get a coaching. job
3: this offseason too. He's been so good.
1: Well, yeah. And so I would say both of these coordinators um, for the Ravens have worked out so well and they're so well coached. And like their team is not star-studded. It's not a top-heavy... They're different to me than the Niners where it's like... The Niners have... If you If you were to look at these two rosters and say... Pick the 10 best players. Like nine of them, eight or nine of them are probably from the Niners, I I, I would say. But then like the Ravens just somehow year after year gel so well. And like what they did on defense last night, they were the more physical team. I think what Patrick Queen is saying is so right. It's not the style of football that we want to watch every week. Um, he was talking about basketball on grass for the rest of the NFL. I so get what he's saying, and it's like <laughs> That's the I Dolphins, it may by not the be way, my type nutshell. of team. <laughs> it's just like the, I think this Ravens team is just like we don't really we don't we, DGAF to the rest of the league. Um, and they and they made they sent a message last night, and when it comes down to MVP, it's about voters and what they see and how they feel, and like. I, I think there's, there's different conversation, like who is the MVP and who the voters are going to vote for. These guys that we're allowing to vote for this, um, two different conversations.
3: I've, I've looked at the results and in, in voting, and some years like 16 votes get it done out of 50. Like you, you know, so it's like 16 to 12 to nine to eight. It's 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 not often that that happens, but there have been years like that, and this feels like it might be a year like that. Um.
2: I, I agree with everything um, <clears throat> both of you said. And, Greg, what you were saying about MVP being truly wide open with worthy people. Um, but I do stand by the stage matters. And I think Brock, if he even plays okay last night and just kind of coasts the finish line – it's his award but he just opened the whole thing up and it's a truly a and we've been we've been ahead of the national media on this because now people are talking about how this mvp race is interesting and different than past years we've been talking about it for a few weeks now um i think yeah i think chris mccaffrey is the guy having a historic year um and a year where lamar and josh allen are having great years and a down year at the position of quarterback and i think there's just things to to take into account finally trent williams left tackle niners keep an eye on this he's got a groin injury uh, we'll see he finished that game on the sideline uh, on a short week. We'll see if he plays against Washington, and and hopefully for San Francisco, um, he is okay. And also Brock Purdy did exit that game uh, with a stinger as well, so I imagine he's going to be okay, but injuries there as well. And uh, last little weird note, um, they showed this uh, on the telecast, and NFL, the Twitter handle, um, official Twitter handle, amplified it. Uh, John Harbaugh, who's obviously feeling great, as he deserves to, after a game like that, uh, had a kind of a strange exchange with Brock Purdy on the worst night of his professional career. Uh, let's actually credit Matt Lively on Twitter with this. John shakes his hand, looks him in the eyes. People tell me we look alike. And then you see Purdy after the handshake walking away like, are you f- kidding me?
1: But they <laughs> do look alike. He's
2: probably, Ew, not smiling. now, not now, John. We that's that's sure. that's very flip and trivial in a, a very dark moment for an injured Brock Purdy after the worst game of his career. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, congratulations, Mark. You uh, a lock off. Um, you were pretty fired up on text last night, uh, but you you were you have no reason to be in a bad mood because the the uh, Ravens absolutely uh, made a statement on your behalf as you beat both. Nick Wessling and Greg Rosenthal in a huge, huge spot.
1: Well, I mean, I, so I urged Greg
2: to do this for the show. Mm. Yeah, um, that was a great, uh, Greg. I hope you're taking the right lessons out of that.
3: I, yeah, don't look against you to do the it team. For, I've locked like five you know? times. Yeah. I, that was a, uh, that was a bad lock. I thank Nick for uh, making it as well. So it was, but no, like Nick no challenged
2: blood. you, Greg, imagine how sweet it would have been on top of that. Nick tra- challenging mm. your ma- manhood lock off with me. And then you, instead uh, sided
3: with nick Wessling, and then you end up well i didn't know pick. i was siding with him i i make the picks and that was a very wrong pick i shouldn't have i shouldn't have doubted uh doubted this team but yes i've never seen a, a person enjoy a lock uh less i i got out of uh our final channel 5 broadcast of the year uh thanks for everyone watching over there uh and got into my car and saw an insane amount of uh hatred towards the Ravens and the sport and and everything. It's like I was enjoying the hell out of that game. That's how I knew my heart wasn't I it. know you I like, Craig, this of is course fun. you were. But this of course you were. You're like like the
1: well, why second not? general it was,
3: in the Lamarmy.
1: So of course you were the first time you though everything you had to you admit wanted it happened. felt
3: like a great sporting <laughs> event. And then it and then it went sideways but it, at half i totally time, it like great. so i i i do
1: acknowledge <laughs> that like it's not even a browns thing with the ravens it isn't it, it i do think the ravens fans in general it's like if you're not like if you're above the age of 20 understand where the team came from i've been down that road before verbally but like um i am quite fascinated with this niners team and i don't like what happened and it put me in a gotcha. bad mood and it's like this crowning of the Ravens on December 25th. Cool. Let's see what happens. The Super Bowl does no, not occur on December
3: 25th. No one <laughs> No one's crowning them. I, uh, I I thought about that last night like, look, if they don't win the Super Bowl they had last night. These are valuable as as uh fans. Like enjoy that. You just won on Christmas night against the like 40. If you can't enjoy what that moment, if you can't enjoy that win, even if in the end you lose in the AFC Championship game, like that is this is a fun couple of weeks to be a Ravens fan. Sest
2: Dog, you were big game. mad. I don't think I've ever seen you so mad on on text as you were last night.
1: Really? I think there's – I don't even know if
3: it made the top ten. I don't know if it made the top three of this week. <laughs> <laughs> All
0: right, let's take a break, and we'll hit the rest of the games. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring –
1: Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings
3: YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually,
2: Taylor is looking. He steps up, he starts to pump, he starts to run, he is diving around, he is loading up, he is firing and it is
0: intercepted by the Eagles and the game is over. It is intercepted by Keely Ringo and the Eagles finally have buried their three game losing streak and they have their 11th win of the season.
2: Yes, it wasn't pretty and it really has not been pretty for the Eagles. Uh, For the last month or so. But they got what they needed on Christmas Day. A win. Snapping a three-game losing streak with a 33-25 win over the Giants. Uh, Jalen Hurts uh, had a productive day uh, one week after being ill on that big stage. Uh, He throws a touchdown pass. He also runs for a score. uh, And the Eagles despite Mark not playing uh, a championship level of football, they do enough uh, to beat the giants and take one step closer to the NFC East title, which is theirs for the taking with the Cowboys stumbling the last two weeks.
1: Yeah. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't pretty. It doesn't um, quiet some of the questions, but you put up 465 yards on offense, 170 rushing, uh, you know, Matt Patricia, the the move to Matt Patricia, I mean, obviously got on everyone's radar, uh, but you went out and had uh Tommy DeVito benched. You 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 accomplished that, one of the biggest sports stories in the NFL this season. <laughs> so I don't like I think in general it's like if we're gonna freak out over the Niners and wonder where they are at this point, and I'm not saying we're doing that, but like if we're there's all this like calamity mindset about what happened last night, this didn't change what I think about the Eagles. I think they're they are imperfect compared to what we saw down the stretch last year. Um but this was probably a pretty good game for Jalen Hurts, actually. And I thought that, you know, A.J. Brown and Devonta Smith showed up. The running game got going. Like, there, it got a little weird down the stretch with the Giants coming back into this. But it, for me, the Eagles, it's just like, are they going to figure out all the problems? They're kind of like the NFC's, a better version of the NFC's Chiefs, where it's like, I think what they're dealing with, they're going to be dealing with. It's like, do I trust them to win a couple of playoff games? Yes, I do. I mean, it's just like, this is sort of just another step on the ladder. I don't oh, yeah. trust
2: them at all. And I also hurts through a pick six I should uh, put in there too. So his turnover issues, another calamitous uh, turnover that left the giants right back in this game. I, I came out of this game. Yeah. Feeling no different about hmm. the Philly Eagles based on the three losses before.
3: I felt so different after reading the coverage and listening to a little coverage that I did after watching it on Cadence this morning. I did not watch this game live. I went and saw a movie yesterday with a friend uh, during this what game. Movie? And, Zone of interest, very uh, counter-programming uh, on what Christmas. Is, who's, uh, who's in zone of interest? Um, it is about uh the family who like lives right next to Auschwitz and oh. like and like you never see right. it inside. And, it, and it's just like the banality of them like fixing their garden and all this the bureaucracy is this insane. Is, listeners, this is my fault. Yes. I
2: did not know I was walking into yet another Nazi conversation I mean, on this program. But thank you, Jonathan for Glazer. That.
3: Great movie. Uh, no, no, I wouldn't say great, but it was good. <laughs> it's
2: around every corner.
3: I did it's watch Christmas Vacation corner. the night before. I like buddy. I watched that and condensed and I thought, oh, this does make me feel a little different. This was the game they needed. 28 first down, four hundred and sixty five yards, a bunch of special plays. By Jalen Hurts. He definitely ran better than he's run maybe all season. I thought he looked spry. Like they need to be an elite Goddard, I thought at his best game of the year. Um, quicker decisions by Hurts. All this even the pick six, Dan was Goddard, just fell on that play. It was just like okay, fluky bad luck. And the other touchdown the that Giants got early in the second half is like the return man collided into another guy on the special returns thing, and then it you know turned it over on the ten. So It felt a little fluky. The only the only real Eagles thing that was bad was giving up that big touchdown late in the game. That that was bad defense. Uh, But then I saw the coverage, and it's like Sirianni is in an argument on the sideline with Asan Reddick, and Devonta Smith and AJ Brown are like trying to step in and are like kind of arguing with him too. And then they give up on it because like Sirianni is going crazy. That like the second the game ends, they actually pan to. Sirianni and Devontae Smith, who still seem to be not happy about something, they, they blew the, the two minute drive at the end of the first half too. after the game. A.J. Brown did not talk to the media, even though they won. Devontae Smith literally said, like, yeah, we you know, we had a good game, but we're not happy. And then this Jalen Hurts quote that, that we have also struck me of just like, man, the vibes are just so weird with this team.
2: Um, with that standard that we talk about, it's like that double-edged sword of, you know, what's more important, winning or the standard. It's, 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 it's a uh, very manipulative thing to the mind sometimes, but I can go play to the standard and lose, and I'll be sitting at home sick. I can go win and I play to the standard, and I can be like, man, we got some more in us. You know, we, we can go chase it. So it's that, double, it's, it's that fight that we battle as, as, as competitors. Nobody's having fun. Nobody's right, having fun right. with the Eagles this year it just seems like a very different situation and, and you're right right that there is obvious and we know it because the, the the drama on the defensive side of the ball with the coordinator and and these other examples you're pointing out that the house is not a happy one and again everything can change uh by week uh by the playoffs so week 16 is week 16 and we can't form permanent judgments. But there is a lot of building evidence that it's, yeah, there's there's trouble in Philly whether or not they won yesterday.
1: I think, like, one thing, like, when we talked about that, like, Collision Low Crossers book that we were slightly obsessed with about 10 years ago, it's like, what it taught you a lot about was, like, coordinators and why they matter and how much time you spend with them during the week and how, like, a lot of times certain players are with their position coaches, their coordinators, much more than they would ever be around, like, Sirianni or the head coach. And it's like, you've changed the environment for both sides of the ball. And like, we just bought the Ravens. It's working really well in Baltimore and there's no complaints. But I'm with you, Dan. Like something here, and I don't know if it's like a coaching thing or the, because that's two weeks in a row where Jalen Hurts' post-game press conference is quite mystifying. And it feels like there's coded language and something else being said that's hard to totally unpack. But it's like the Ravens or the, the Eagles a year ago were like the high vibes, fun team coming out of nowhere. And right now it's like, the energy feels to be dragging them down. I,
3: I, I, something strange going is going on. Right. I saw these Brandon Graham quotes where he was kind of like, "Man, we got to enjoy this." And like, I he almost said he even said it to Jalen, like, "We want to see you kind of having fun and being happy." Because I think what Jalen was saying, if and it was tough to figure out, was kind of like, he he has a certain level that he wants to play to, and he's been saying all season, like, "I'm not playing to that level," even though we're winning. So it's like. So now he's just like in a weird mental space where you like, they can't even enjoy these wins. Cause there's just like some mystical level that they're not reaching. And I, I don't know there, there's something weird here. And yet if you just watch their offensive tape, it was their best game in a long, long time. I know it was against the giants, but the giants defense has been a little better when Lawrence is out there. And he was out there like, They had a great offensive game. There were a couple moments in this game. They could have totally folded and they went on these long drives. Like after that pick six, they responded with an awesome kind of vintage running drive. And they had a couple of clock killing drives late. They didn't finish them, but they were good. Like they, they had a good offensive day.
2: Has, has there ever been a more obvious um, tease to a Seth Wickersham expose (laughs) uh, coming Uh, straight for your ass. Uh, let's it's either going to be middle January, late January, maybe if he needs more time to work on it, February, but we're going to get some of the dirt because I just get a feeling that the Sirianni ship might leak as well. Uh, when things take a turn, uh, to postseason irrelevance, which I, I, I just sincerely believe this is not Philadelphia's year, uh, but they're going to win the division. So the Giants side by the way. I mean they got to uh, win
3: both of these games in I guess wait or no, do they? They they only need to win one probably. That's true. They're
2: in good position obviously yes. with the yes. Cowboys losing these two weeks. Uh the Giants side, I think the only real takeaway and people shouldn't be surprised by this because he's not really a prospect. Um, it's just been a really nice story. But Tommy DeVito gets benched and Tyrod Taylor plays better than him because he is better than him. And now the only real question there, Mark, is Brian Dable. Do I ride with the younger quarterback to continue, quote unquote, to develop him? Or do I put the quarterback on the field that probably gives us the best chance to win? Giants fans are going to be uh, probably pulling hard for DeVito's return, both because he's uh, a cult hero in uh, the tri-state area. And also the worst quarterback gives you a better draft pick at this point. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see uh, where the head coach and and leadership there comes down.
1: Yeah. I mean, I guess if I'm Brian Dable, number one, I think like job totally safe. Um, I, I do think he's, he's, he's shown some stuff as a coach. Like I would rather bring DeVito back into the fold and like have him have a game, good game or two and show that like that development that I did with a player that no one had ever heard of before, like um, shows my, my ability as a coach versus we know what Tyrod Taylor is and like winning, like trying to win with Tyrod Taylor does literally nothing for the giants. So I would go back to DeVito. He's been one of the better stories. He had a rough situation here against the Eagles, but if you're a day ball, like go show your QB whispering skills,
3: a rough game against the saints too. And you know, who's rooting for DeVito to get the job too is the Rams and, and the Eagles who have big games against the giants. Cause I think they'll feel more comfortable. Dable did speak on Tuesday about it, saying he wouldn't reveal what he's doing, which is usually a sign they're going to make a choice. It has been a different Tyrod this year for what it's worth. He leads the NFL with quarterbacks with 100 dropbacks in big-time throw percentage, which is very unlike Tyrod, who's usually very safe. He's also missed a lot of throws, too, but he's just like taking big chances and hitting a lot of them. I don't know. Maybe it's, he's just in his Yolo. I may never get a chance again phase. Just stay like, away from the I'm not, Chargers I'm team not,
1: doctor and you'll continue to make these <laughs> big throws.
2: I'm not crazy. Right? Like, and not to offend, you know, members of the Knights of Columbus and so on uh, listening to the show, but Tommy DeVito can't play, right? Like what, what do we, we must develop or we're going to QB whisper. It.
3: it was nice. It was a nice story,
2: right? he's My not nuts. ready
3: to play right now. I think, I think he could have a career, but he's, he's maybe the worst starter in the league. I, I would agree with you on that. All right, let's keep
2: moving. <laughs>
3: That's what I was looking for.
2: I'm not crazy, uh, to, uh, Arrowhead where it just, you, you just can't make sense of it. You cannot make sense of what has happened to the chiefs this year. Chiefs take over on round 25. Kelsey out of the gun, rolls out to his right, tries to find his receiver. It's Intercepted a- down the sideline! Intercepted Jack Jones, and he
0: walks in! Touchdown! Back to back plays for the defense with touchdowns, and the Raiders' defense has completely
2: flipped this game in Kansas City. I mean, come on now. <laughs> After the, the Chiefs uh, put up, what, like minus 20 yards in the first quarter? Uh, they have back-to-back turnovers on offense that give Las, the Las Vegas Raiders their only touchdowns of the game. And Kansas City then has two quarters to get things figured out and, and win a game and win a division. <clears throat> they can't do it because they can't make plays on offense. Final score, Raiders 20, Chiefs 14. Uh, the chief, You know, bye-bye. It's not even a question anymore. No more talking, Mark, about... The Chiefs somehow finding a way to, to get the number one seed. That ain't happening. Now it's just about holding off the Raiders and the, the Broncos for the division, which they will, and they will have one home game in the playoffs. But uh, call the fight. This this offense has never uh, looked more broken. You said it, Greg, on, on Thursday, that they've actually gotten worse since the bye. And this game, Mark, there is watch this tape. Everybody who hasn't seen this game, no one's open. And now... Mahomes is in a position where he's clearly, clearly pressing, and he's making mistakes too. The whole thing is broken, and they won't be able to fix it until after this depressing, frustrating season's over.
1: Yeah, I thought it was the it was, you know, arguably the worst game of Patrick Mahomes' career. Um, and mm-hmm. a lot of credit to the Raiders, too. It's not it's not just a Chiefs thing. Uh they have allowed the least points per game since Antonio Pierce took over as coach. And so there's something really happening with the Raiders. But, you know, we just talked about Sirianni tangling with a player like that. Travis Kelsey, Andy Reid um, entanglement at the end of that or during that game um, stood out as something you just haven't seen with Kansas City. It's been nothing but feel good vibrations the entire time. And their offense is like, well, I think there are these teams that we just assume will suddenly transform and fix everything and become like the superpower we once knew. It's like, it's not gonna happen with with the Chiefs. I I just don't think so. And it's like, if you told me in this game, like that Aiden O'Connell would not complete a pass after the first quarter, uh, (laughs) that for the next three quarters, Aiden O'Connell would not complete a pass. I would say this is gonna be a Kansas City romp just by the sheer statistical unusual nature of that. Um, The last team to win a game when they had not completed a pass after the first quarter you have to go back to 2000, the Bengals, 23 years ago, and so like the the Raiders weren't like on the other side of the ball torching the Chiefs defense. It's just that Kansas City could not unhook, and I don't. I, I feel like this is a team at this point now where I'm like, when they get picked off in the playoffs, and they will, I will not be surprised at all, and I don't think either of you will be surprised.
3: No, and Raiders fans, will we'll get to giving you. Some love because that was a fun, fun game. If you're a Raiders fan, going to Arrowhead and a big stage, getting that win and staying alive, they gotta, they actually have a legit chance to make the playoffs here. But I, we gotta stay with the Chiefs. They, they did, they had negative yards through four drives. Negative yards. The Chiefs they had the lowest amount of uh, yards in the first quarter, I think, of any team. I what was it in the last 19 years? It's something like this. <laughs> totally, totally insane. Then they finally get a touchdown drive and, and that precedes the two defensive touchdowns in seven seconds. I mean, what <laughs> one is where they're getting too cute because they can't just like run a normal running play successfully. They're like new problems are, are popping up, which is to me what's worrisome. They are getting worse. Uh Rasheed Rice was in at the center of a lot of the miscommunications. Probably for, I, I was living and dying by cause I was watching my for my kids' fantasy team was it was Rice on it. Walker's got Rice. I'm hoping for a big day. And he there was probably about five different plays where him and Mahomes were not on the same page, including a big fourth down. You had Mahomes yelling at the offensive line. And that's what really stuck out to me in this game was they could not run the ball. Their success rate on early downs was disastrous running before Pacheco got a concussion and the offensive line was getting absolutely housed in pass protection, Malcolm Koontz and Crosby. They've really kind of remade their defense because Koontz has gone nuts the last three or four weeks and like, well, you got new problems popping up. Like this offense has gone from like, wow, they're kind of mediocre to like they're they're bad. I'm with you, Mark. That probably was the worst Mahomes game I've ever seen. He could have had four or five uh, interceptions. And now Isaiah Pacheco, uh,
2: he's in the concussion protocol um, on a really, I mean, brutal luck, uh, where his helmet pops off and then he gets kicked in the head. Uh, their guard Trey Smith hurt his leg in the fourth quarter. Um, They uh, they have Cincinnati on Sunday and Cincinnati is a team that's obviously pretty hot and cold themselves right now. But <clears throat> it just it, it's just crazy. It, it's crazy to watch it. And I know the prevailing sentiment uh, now is Antonio Pierce uh, deserves to be the head coach of the Raiders. OK, I mean, I, I, I would say I would push back a little bit in that they're obviously playing hard for him. They've caught in a couple teams flat-footed and delivered really spirited efforts, but they also got beat three nothing at home once. They didn't have a completion after the first quarter in this game. I wouldn't, if I'm Mark Davis, I would I would take a look at the the whole picture and what are you trying to build there before getting sucked in uh, by a really fun December. Mm. But. I'll leave it at that because I don't want to be the Grinch with uh, Antonio Pierce and the Raiders. Cause it has really been from where they were with Josh McDaniels got fired to, to having the, any conversation about the playoffs now is really commendable.
3: I'll, I'll push back on that. I, I like the idea of them keeping him right now. Just, that's the general sentiment. The I, think energy, I mean, I'm, I'm a little torn cause I'm with you. Like offensively, they've had some good play calls, but it, you know, that hasn't changed, but he is a defensive coach and the difference, there is something more about being a head coach and getting your players to play for you. And they look like a completely different team. Like I know they've caught teams at the right time or whatever, but they're the team that got Staley fired. No one else did that to them. They're the team that did this to Mahomes. No one else did that. To them, and I, I think Mark Davis will be informed by what happened with Basaccia, who he's uh voiced some regret about the way he handled that. The next two games are big; they're at Indy and then home for Broncos. If they if they win those two games, which would be tough, they still got to win these two games with O'Connell. But if they won those two games, there's actually a sixty-something percent chance they make the playoffs, according to the New York Times. That's crazy, uh, which is just crazy. <laughs> And Greg, like yeah. I, like I think that it comes down to like these
1: hirings are obviously like owner's choice, and to hear what Mark Davis said about not hiring Bassachu, which he like really regrets, he verbally regretted. Um, I, I think that informs this. I, I think he's going to get the job. And and Dan, you're right. Like it's the sample size is small, but then like you go hire someone else with no sample size as a head coach too. And it's like I would yeah. say the same. These same Raiders players were uninspired and underperforming under Josh McDaniels and that had a lot to do, I think with personality and the coaching staff and like, they're all so much better now it's, and and they want to play for him. Like you
3: got, you, at least, you know, you have that. He's just yeah, so he, Raidery. That's to me, what does it? <laughs> is there and all that stuff about, is what I'm like, yeah. okay,
2: because I mean, I know that too. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Like he, he re- put it this way. He also replaced the right guy. I think he, uh, I think McDaniels is in that, that club occupied by only a few Adam Gase was waiting for him uh, smoking a cigarette when he arrived at the door of truly overmatched disliked um, failures at head coach and it makes everything look even better uh, in case anybody doesn't know because uh, it is a blip in the NFL radar but Rich Basaccia was on John Gruden's coaching staff in 2021 when Gruden gets himself fired for being a dumbass and then Basaccia takes that team to the playoffs uh, with a 10 and seven season. That's their only trip to the playoffs in the last seven years. So yeah, uh, there was the Basaccia bump and now the Pierce pop and we'll see what happens the rest of the way. (laughs) I mean, he's Uh, taken
3: like cast offs. This defense is not that talented other than Crosby. Like Jack Jones was, you know, He's talented, but he got cut by the Patriots earlier this year. He's taken a bunch of castoffs and had, like, the be- a top three defense since he took over, which is, you know, what more can you do? For sure. Absolutely commendable. Do
2: We have Mahomes sound, but I think we kind of know mm. he still believes. But, you know, he knows. <laughs> he hmm. knows. And don't you dare, anybody out there, don't blame this on Taylor Swift. I don't want to hear it. It's not her fault. Maybe her boyfriend got a little older, too, but – this is not about Taylor. This is about Brett Veach and Andy Reid having a come-to-Jesus moment. Because I know it's the personnel's bad, but maybe this is a wake-up call that maybe it's time the scheme needs to... You know, it's been an incredible run by the Chiefs, but this is a whole different thing. Let's uh, close out with a Christmas Eve game at Mile High, another one that was hard to figure out. Rylan Waits leaning forward in the stance, The snap, the spot the kick clears the line sailing to the uprights the kill is good (laughs) the kid did it with two seconds to go wyland has given the patriots a 26 23 lead here in denver he's mobbed by his teammates on the far side and how good must that feel i couldn't tell the howling and pain in the crowd was that Broncos fans or, or Patriots fans. Uh, the Pats entered Christmas Eve uh, with uh, the number two overall pick in the draft lined up, but behind Chad Ryland, the fourth round pick who's had his struggles at kicker, he hits a fifty-six yard field goal with two seconds two seconds to play, and the Patriots, another team that scored uh, two touchdowns in less than seven seconds uh, over this holiday uh, round of games. Man. Um, they jump way ahead, hold off a Broncos rally and win 26 to 23, um, mark that Ryland kick capped a seven play 44 yard drive. Uh, that began with 58 seconds left after Denver goes three and out with their chance to win the game. Uh, the Broncos all but done in the AFC playoff race and they have no one to blame but themselves. You got to win at home against the Patriots on Christmas Eve night.
1: Yeah, I mean, like, New England scores 20 of their 26 points in the third quarter. I mean, it start the game starts. It was handed to Denver to get a big start. Like, Zappy fumbles the ball um, deep in his own territory right. on, like, the first play, and Denver is sitting there with a touchdown, like, you know, a gift touchdown, looking them in the face and they don't score. And like, they have multiple drives out of the gate where like they could not get anything going on offense. I think their first three drives started in new England territory um, for zero points. So a lot of it is just comes back to the fact that the Broncos have been a good story uh, in general, like Sean Payton, after a disastrous start, uh, you thought, well, maybe this is a fringe playoff team. Um, And you go out and you need to handle your business against a very uh, you know, si- uh, the, the equivalent of a sitting duck in the New England Patriots. They've been a good defense. Um, Cortland Sutton going out did not help Denver at all. But like this is a this is the end of, of the Broncos' season, and I find them to be visually. I was watching this game, you know, uh, you know, without taking notes, just sort of in, uh, trying to observe it, like. I don't need this team in the playoffs. Um, they are no. visually dull to me and I need the, I need the Broncos bye bye. to go figure out something else over the course of this off season. I think it's the end of Russell Wilson. I really do. I believe that Russell Wilson's journey with Denver has come to a close
3: after this season. I tend to agree because of games like this, which kind of was the whole thing. I thought it was one of his worst games maybe his worst of the season until the fourth quarter. At that point, they had already had 11 drives, which is a whole game for most teams. And they had like 160 yards at that point. There was actually a, a stretch. I think they had five drives in a row that, that had a total of negative 15 yards. And so they just like couldn't get anything done. He was just scrambling for no reason, like running around doing crazy stuff, and none of it was working. And then the fourth quarter starts, and suddenly he turns into – you know, peak Russell Wilson, they put up 16 points. They they do the Super Bowl comeback for the Patriots where they hit both two-point conversions. Not only that, they get a three and out from the Patriots with like two and a half minutes to go. And they get the ball back with plenty of time, only needing three and In you're a ball thinking, game. You, you're thinking, wow, this is really going to happen. And then they blow it. They go three and out, punt it right back. And Peyton, I don't kill him for wanting to get the ball back the way the Patriots offense was playing at that point, but he's using his timeouts to try to get the ball back. And he didn't know that a magical man named Bailey Zappi was going to hit his fifth 20 plus yard play of the game, get an 89 PFF grade, the highest for a Patriots Ew. quarterback in like three years and hit Devonte Parker over one of the best quarterbacks in the league for the second time. Uh, Patrick Sertan one-on-one. I mean, it, is ridiculous things happening, and then Rylan hits the kick. It was a totally preposterous game, and I have to admit, I did uh, as a Patriots fan enjoy uh ending or all but ending the Sean Payton and Russell Wilson.
2: Season. Yeah, that 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 doesn't <laughs> suck, and I it is easy to get sucked into draft pick mania and all that stuff, and and you know, same thing happened with my team against the commanders on uh Sunday, where you know they probably should miss this field goal, it's probably better for the, in the long-term interest of, of the franchise, but you know what? There is something to be said, um, especially with my team that's had a history of losing and young players that you do not want to get infected with the funk of failure. Um, you see Bailey Zappi celebrating on that sideline after the kick. You see, and with my team, guys like Sauce Gardner and Garrett Wilson getting to enjoy a moment. Like, that's important, too, like to, to win football games and to not get kind of lost in, in the uh, be a casualty of war that you, you've lost. So, you know, and for the Patriots fans that are like kind of like my dad who don't care about anything but uh, about draft standing or this or that, just I like to see my team win. Well, you got a nice win on Christmas Eve. And speaking of the New York Jets, they are, uh, let's spin to week 17. They are uh, on the road against the Cleveland Browns, Thursday night football. Uh, Mark, you are no doubt educated on this. Um, the Niners did not. Oh, wait a second, Mark, uh, Greg, wait a second. What's up? Angry Sess Dog, Christmas Night. The Ravens get beat. There is a pathway to the AFC North title for the Browns. Mm. Now it's not really there. That's why you were so mad. Yes or no?
1: Well, I, like I, it's sort of like I said before, like, cause I, I have pet teams just like, um, you know, everyone else around I here it. and like the Niners are one of my pet teams. And like, I, I kind of just, I didn't, I didn't talk, that...
2: I'm talking about the Niners. I'm not talking. Well, about no, I
1: mean, it's, it, it wasn't a Cleveland winning the division thing because I, I, I would say, like, I like teams to be tiered where they belong. And, like, like if Cleveland were to win that division, they very likely are the number one seed in the AFC. And let's be realistic. Like, I think they've been a fun team, and we'll see where they land. But, like, the idea that they're the number one seed wouldn't – I don't think would be a great thing for football in general. I'm being really? real about that. That would be awesome. This is we're, an insane answer. Yeah, the, yeah no, no, it's not not you an even going? Answer, the division? It's not an insane answer because they're a very incomplete team that's overachieving. Um, in a lot of ways, I mean, based on the injuries they've had, they're missing a lot of starters. So like, I, I like being the number kind one seed would be this... the most
2: amazing thing that has ever happened in the history of pro football. Uh, come on now, that'd be fun. Nobody would be upset about that. It's not going to happen, but come on.
1: It's, it's not going to happen, but like, I, I, I kind of just, I think I'm, I like the storyline that they're actually, um, living in that they're inhabiting, which is a strange injury riddled, uh, overachieving team with a coach of the year candidate and a, amazing story in Joe Flacco, who, you know, the Jets, if anything, the Jets defenders know Joe Flacco as well as any group of players in the league. And I think that presents an interesting challenge if the Jets show up to this game and they still care about their season. And I believe their defense, the defense does they do. like, yep. I think that this, uh, you know, one thing that happened to the Jets that I think makes a difference is for Woody Johnson to come out, whether you like it or not, Dan, for Woody Johnson to come out and say the coaches are safe Everyone's staying, the GM's staying. Like, the ship is not going to be blown up from the inside out. Like, you're going to get players who so are like, we're going to play hard because we're still being looked at by the same people. Our careers aren't going to be in flux the way that we thought they might. And, like, you have practiced against Joe Flacco seasons in a row. I think that matters. And I think it's like a huge chance for Cleveland to not basically drop a bomb on themselves because it's like you you win this game and you're just in the playoffs. They probably are already. But if you go and do it on Thursday night at home in a celebratory way, it puts a cherry on top of a very unusual, strange, the strangest Brown season that I can recall since like 1988 when like a 40-something year old Don Strock came in and like beat the Oilers in the final week of the season, in a snowstorm to send the Browns into the playoffs. Like, it's that level of weird, and it's become enjoyable because, like, Joe Flacco is someone I never enjoyed in my life. And now I'm like, Joe Flacco is one of the most enjoyable football players the Browns have ever had because of what's occurred.
3: Mm, I think it, it's a good test, though. Forget even knowing Joe Flacco, but just their offensive line, which. You know, it was certainly better against Houston than it was the week before. Really injured. They're, they're overcoming a lot. Having to go against this Jets defense, like, that's a real deal test. Now, you can feel confident, I believe, that you're not going to need that many points to win this game. If you're the Browns, you'd like to get a gr- ground game going. They're winning without any running game. But you know people have been, who have just been watching the highlights, I guess that does show it for Flacco, but I just can't believe how well he's playing. Like I, Like, maybe it's... I'm not going to say it's fluky because I don't know that it's going to continue, but the level that he's at just seems out is outrageous. Like he is playing like, like Stafford or something. Like it's just, it's just insane how well he's playing. Like he's playing way better than he played at the end of his Ravens career. It should almost go without saying. I mean, he is giving them a legit chance because you have an elite defense. You have the number eight team in DVOA overall. Because of that defense, largely, it, an elite defense and a quarterback, it's like you, you can make some noise.
2: Um, the most recent Jets game will—it's hard to decipher if you're looking to get any type, glean any type of uh, preview of how this game will turn out. Because for two quarters, the Jets defense played at a level that would you know, bury Joe Flacco and many other quarterbacks. And then in the second half, they let Jake Brisket go up and down the field on them. Um, so while the Jets defense is on a balance, a very good year, they're not uh, unstoppable. They're not, a, they're not going go to go into Cleveland and dominate. And I think a big part of that is something that has nothing to do with them, which is the offense is so bad. And Zach Wilson, who, by the way, we didn't really talk about it, but um, all that controversy around Wilson about, you know, when it leaked out of the locker room that he wasn't sure he even wanted to play because he he was worried about getting injured in an uncertain future. Well, what happened? He had that one good game and then the offensive line no shows on him um, two weeks ago and gets his head bashed in and he's been in concussion protocol um, since. Or so actually, I don't know if he's in the protocol, he but he's still he got, is in it. He's still he's in, still it, in it. So is not a good sign. So that's a sign that you're going to get Trevor Simeon again, who's terrible. So what t- that tells me, Mark, is that Cleveland's defense is going to, Uh, put the clamps on the Jets running game. Um, Brees Hall is a really good player who's had a great year considering the circumstances, but there's not going to be a lot of room for him, I think. And what's going to happen is that Brown's defense is going to put Flacco in a lot of positive game scripts. And I feel very good about this. Um, In fact, what the hell? Why not? I'm gonna lock up the Cleveland Browns on Thursday Night Football, uh, because I think it just sets up very well. Is it in the zone? Wait a I second. I don't think is, so. I think is it not like, in the zone?
3: <laughs> I, I'd have to check, but I think it's like seven and a half or something. Hey, right, let me check. <laughs>
2: If I it's mean, in but the Greg,
3: zone. we could let love Dan the, do that. I, uh, it's like I absolutely is, love this. It is seven. We could here. let a, we could let Dan do that though. How it's out that? of the zone. Why would no? We got uh, you gotta have a you gotta have a code. Oh wait, you lock up the Jets? Overtake you or the, for the Browns? Number one position? No, like let him lock up the Browns. Why? Like why?
1: Like let let him have a Christmas gift.
3: It opened at six and a half. What are you talking about? Uh It is at seven. It is at seven. Just saying, you got we got to play by rules. You know, got to play by rules. Well,
1: that's fine. I mean, I Dan, I'm with you. I think like Thursday Why don't you night. Let's go see
3: another pleasant movie, Greg. Take a walk. Yeah, yeah, Greg. <laughs> I mean, you're, you're uh, the I the mean one but Dan, I'm with you. Like, up against your team. I mean, look, if if this was lockable, I think we would all lock this. Why not?
1: That's fair. I mean, it's like you just lean on like what's the best position group on Thursday night, and it's like Cleveland's defense. Couldn't you see like Miles Garrett having like a strip sack, and then like you know. They are a little banged up, but like, I mean, I could just see them causing total chaos for Trevor Simeon and hopefully, you know, they don't blow it. Like if if you're a Browns fan, you're finally maybe not just assuming everything will go negatively. Like it's like it's a little different right now. And that's a very weird feeling.
3: It, it probably won't be like a great game, um, but it is kind of a nice moment and opportunity for a party here for the Browns. The way this lined up the last uh, TNF game. Who knows? Maybe the last Al Michaels Herb Street game. Period. You never know. Um, I think he's got another them, year, doesn't he? Yeah, I mean, did, he he's under contract. Contrary, I'm, I'm just went. saying. Like hearing Herb Street on college makes me. It's like, what what are we doing here? Um, <laughs> he's so not into it. Uh, they just that they could clinch a playoff spot with Joe Flacco on uh, in an island game. That that's kind of fun. That is fun.
2: Indeed. What what a what a great time. Um.
3: <laughs> All right. Anything else? We'll be back on Thursday. Weird, weird uh, schedule week, right? We'll be holiday back with week. the previous show. Oh, I'll be with Nick Wessling on this game. We're, we're finishing oh, the TNF right. recaps in style, too. This will be a nice one.
2: Nick Wessling on the mic for TNF recap with Greggy. Uh, so uh, make sure you check that out. And yeah, because of the holiday and the wonkiness of everything, um, we will be uh, off tomorrow, Wednesday, and back Thursday with Yet another preview of games, week 17. All right, that was the Around the NFL podcast. Thank you to everybody for listening. And do what you know that you need to do. Heed that call.
1: Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.
0: Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh?
1: Yep. You know what this playground could
2: use? A wine country. Heck yeah. And some waves. So we could go surfing.
1: Oh, <laughs> yeah. Ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah,
0: ski slopes. Let's
1: do it. Um, ten a girl go shopping? Yeah, baby. Wait.